Welcome to Flourish with Trish, a podcast dedicated to the curious and creative. Working with like-minded women chasing their dreams is something I have always been passionate about. Being a freelance photographer who specializes in creating content for women-run businesses means that no two days are the same. Every day I'm learning, every day I'm inspired, and every day is exciting. It's a real privilege being able to spend my days with passionate women in their respective fields. The knowledge each of these women share with me in the short time that we have together is incredibly inspiring and deserves to be shared with a wider audience. So here we are. From thought-provoking conversations to personal life stories and everything in between, I can't wait to introduce you to some of the beautiful women who have inspired me. My hope is that this podcast ignites a fire within and inspires you to live a life full of passion and purpose. Let's flourish together. Hello. Wow. Hold on. Wait. Back up. It's June. How are we halfway through 2022? And where have the last six months gone? Not entirely sure, but okay, we're here. Let's do this. Guys, I couldn't introduce my next guest without taking a moment to say a heartfelt thank you. Thank you to each and every one of you who have liked, subscribed, reached out, and sent very personal and private DMs with the launch of Flourish. To say that it has been overwhelming would be the biggest understatement of the year for me, and I just want to say thank you. Okay, shifting gears here, quite literally. This month's guest is someone I have admired for years, photographer Lydia Harper. It's not just her incredible raw talent that I am in utter awe of. Her eye is incredible. It's her fearless approach to how she continues to reinvent the way she runs her business to mirror the way she wants to live her life. From studying agricultural property, dipping her toe in taxidermy, to becoming a wedding photographer, self-taught, might I add, to now jetting around the world with Formula One, Lydia's journey has been incredible to watch evolve over the years. Recently, Lydia and her sister Alice founded Park Femme, a creative agency and lifestyle brand with a storytelling approach to motorsport content creation. The slower pace of 2020 gifted the girls time, time to think about what they could offer motorsport brands, events, and fans alike. The girls believe with their background in photography, fashion, and creative direction, they could create something truly unique. And I think they have. She's likely still riding off the Grand Prix car fumes of Monaco, and it brings me great joy to introduce you to my dear friend, Lydia Harper. Let's dive right in. So, Lydia, my gosh, how are you? Hello, I'm really good, thanks. How are you? (laughs) I'm really, really good. Um, I can't believe it. You must be fucking exhausted because you have just come back off... The Grand Prix in Monaco, right? Yeah, I got back last night at 1am. <laughs> Few little airline delays, but we're home. How are you feeling? Really good. It was like the best week. It was insane. I've oh. never been to Monaco before, so it was like a whole experience. Didn't really feel real, but it was amazing. Yeah, I mean, I was following you pretty religiously nice. <laughs> for the last couple of weeks, and it's just uh, amazing. I just can't... You were like coming in on boats, and just... It was an, it was another level, wasn't it? Yeah, it was awesome. It was, it was really cool. I worked with an amazing team out there on a project I'm really like stoked that is happening in that space, and then my sister and Mariana came out, and they're part of this whole other thing I have, and to see them at their first Grand Prix was really special, so oh, yeah, we're all stoked. Amazing. Well, before we dive into all of that, because I'm so excited to hear all about, you know, 
how you're working for Formula One now, but how it's all started, I think, is what people will really resonate with people. Um, so I kind of just want to ask you, and I love to ask this to all my guests, is, you know, what is your story? Tell us about your journey, how you arrived to where you are today, traveling the world with Formula One and, and launching Parc Femme. Um, so however much you want to share, just dive right in and tell us, where did it all begin? Okay, I'm going <laughs> to go way back because it was not a linear journey. There have been a lot of changes of direction, but I studied at university something completely different to what I'm doing now. I studied uh, rural chartered surveying, basically. Um, Yeah, so far from this. And I hated it. I hated it. And I did it for four years. And I left with this like real need to do something wildly different. And I I knew I wanted to do something creative. And I wasn't really sure what that was. So then the years after university were me just figuring that out for Mm -hmm. a while. Um, so yeah, straight after university, I booked flights to South Africa and I wanted to do, it's super weird, but I wanted to do taxidermy from like, uh, <laughs> how old were you? Oh, 22, I think I was okay. when I left university, 21 or 22. Okay. Um, and I wanted to do taxidermy and leather work in like a home decor sense, not this like hunting scene, but more, um, I guess it was a bit Gothic and weird at the time, <laughs> but that was what I wanted to do. So I went to Africa and learn I went on like this six-week course but that it was super interesting it was amazing to learn that skill but decided I didn't want to do that but I fell in love with South Africa so then I went back uh, I think I came home for a few months then I went back and started a leather goods brand instead so I was making leather goods um, selling them back in the UK and then through that I think I was doing that for probably a year actually and then through that, I picked up a camera and started shooting my own projects. And Having never had, had a camera in your hand before? I had a camera. like I had a entry-level 550D, which I would carry around and shoot a little bit. Um, but it wasn't... I never thought I would be a photographer. Like, never thought that was even a possibility. Yeah. And then, yeah, started building what turned into, I guess, like a lifestyle brand. And I don't even think I really knew what that was at the time. I was just making products and then shooting people making the products, shooting the like like flat lays and lifestyle imagery of them. But then to fill out this brand and make it something, I was traveling around this whole area, which is called Neisner. Mm. Uh, and every evening I would go and shoot sunset or go into the forest and shoot the forest. And that was like the thing that clicked of, oh, it's the photography side that I'm super stoked on. So mm. then taught myself a little bit while I was still in South Africa then moved home to the UK and then I think I started getting inquiries from wedding clients and potential like small brand collaborations I was like okay well this is something I should take seriously so had you been sharing your work on social media is that basically yeah just Instagram and it was like a mixture of the photography and the brand at that point and then when I came home made the decision to close the brand just focus on photography sold my 550d I don't even think I sold it I think I don't think anyone would have bought it I think I just bought better cameras I think I upgraded to like full frame cameras at that point and just because all like everything previous to that moment I'd just been shooting in auto like yeah did not know what I was doing mm-hmm. then I came home got a wedding booking and then I was like oh okay so I actually have to take this seriously this now it's so refreshing to actually hear this because I feel like I'm winging it. Oh, I am still winging <laughs> still it. Still to this like, day. <laughs> I did not know what I was doing with the camera. I knew I had uh, like a visual thing that I was capturing that was unique. Like I knew mm-hmm. I had an eye for what I was doing and I could edit. Like again, I was editing on an iPad in Visco, I think. But I knew that I was doing something that was like how I wanted the work to turn out. Yeah. 
Um, but the actual images I was taking were all shot in auto until I came home yeah. from scratch, taught myself that like triangle of exposure, which then when that clicked, I was like, oh, that makes a lot more sense. I actually don't even think I know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> we'll not go there. So, okay, you taught yourself um, that. I yep. taught myself that. I taught myself <laughs> to use flash and then put like quite a steep price point on my first wedding to say I didn't know what I was doing, but mm-hmm. I taught myself everything, turned up and credit to 2016 Lydia I nailed that wedding wow it was like yeah my first paid gig it was a full day wedding in the middle of winter in the UK like the darkest church yeah rained all day it was bleak as hell (laughs) but like nailed it um amazing so yeah from that point on I then like 2016 to like to 2018 2019 I was like making most of my money through summer on weddings and then throughout the year also shooting branding projects, fashion projects. Um, I tried to make my life kind of UK um, nine months a year and then take three months out over winter to travel, which has like always been a big part of what I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I started to realize I didn't want to be doing weddings. I think I never really wanted to do weddings, to be honest. I yeah. did them because I needed money. Mm-hmm. I always wanted... But, oh my God, Lydia, it's crazy to me because you are so fucking talented and it's like (laughs) you make it look so effortless and I can see why you were in such high demand for weddings because you were really good at it and you capture moments. I loved, there was something about weddings that I loved. I don't know what it was. I liked doing them, Mm -hmm. but I dreaded them all the time. Yeah. And I hated having my calendar booked up with weddings and I didn't like... I never connected with them. Like, I never put that work on my main Instagram profile. I gave it its whole separate account, and I kept it, like, this secret hidden thing, which mm-hmm. was super weird because I made most of my money from it. But I was... <laughs> and I, like, I was quite good at it. Like, yeah. the work was good. They were good weddings, and I was really, really lucky. All of my clients were amazing. All of their weddings were beautiful. Like, I had some amazing weddings that let me travel. I just wasn't... Sounds Something stupid, but missing. I wasn't proud of the work. It's not that I wasn't proud of it, but I wasn't mm-hmm. stoked to really ever share it. Mm-hmm. Um, which so I knew was this is like a gut feeling that you yeah, just feel like just, something's missing or something didn't click. Yeah. So I was always pushing to like maybe have five weddings a year, and that would be I'd be happy because I could make my money off five and then do all these other creative things around that. Um, but that never really happened. It was always so hard to turn down a wedding deposit because it's a decent chunk of money mm-hmm. so easy to say yeah I'll shoot that thing in two and a half years time I'll be that'll be fine um yeah so I did that uh but I always was pushing to like make fashion more of a part of my work make branding and travel more of a part of my work and then in 2018 I shot a motorsport event that was like a moment of like, ah, oh, that was really cool. Like mm. I really enjoyed doing that and I loved everyone I met there. So that kind of planted the seed, but couldn't really act on it through 2019 at all. I was completely slammed with weddings and then went away over winter, 2019 winter into 2020 and then COVID hit. So I was traveling over that winter, realized I definitely wanted to get out of weddings. And then the terrible blessing in disguise was COVID that was mm. just like, everything stopped whole life just ground to a halt and I had I lost everything I lost every wedding lost tons of money but it was the pivot moment of like this is my chance to do something different so I yeah I think I took a couple of months of like trying to scramble and make weddings work and make 2021 still be a wedding year and then it got to a point where that was looking pretty bleak and I just called it made the decision not to pursue that 
I refunded all of the deposits and I was just with absolutely no contacts in the motorsport industry and no right to even decide I wanted to go into that world. I just decided that was what I was going to focus on. So yeah, I started shooting as many motorsport events through 2020 as I could, which was hard mm-hmm. because it was COVID. Like completely off your own back. Like just- Yeah, this was just turning up with a camera, writing to people for accreditation. Um, wow. At the same time, that's when I started Park for May with my sister. So we started this okay. platform. So we were using that as a foot in the door as well to be like, we'll take photos for you. We'll interview you. Just give us access. Yeah. So 2020 became like this year of just running around, not really making a ton of money, but shooting what we wanted and also kind of figuring out what we wanted to offer that world. And then by October, I think I like landed a gig with um, an agency that shot for paddock club F1 paddock club. So I was at my first race by like, yeah, winter 2020, oh my gosh. which was cool. And yeah. then since then it's been like, a I don't know what the right word is for it, but it's been a really quick journey of learning what I do want to do in this world and what I don't want to do. And figuring that out and just trying to do something completely different in this space. So you just amaze me. <laughs> no, you really do because, you know, one of the things I've always really admired about you is that you've never been scared to change the direction of where you want to take your business. And, you know, when you look at it, it's like weddings to Formula 1. It's a massive shift and I think I know a lot of photographers look at, you know, maybe they're in the wedding world or whatever world they're in and and they'd like to pivot or, you know, change the direction of where they want to go and you fearlessly and bravely do that. And I know it's not an easy decision. I can't imagine it was an easy decision for you to have to, you know, break the news to these wedding, you know, the weddings that you were doing, like the brides and grooms and say that you were giving them their money back. That wasn't easy because I know that you care about everything that you do. But like, what advice would you give another photographer or anyone who's looking, doesn't even have to be photography, anyone who's looking to pivot and, and, you know, kind of follow their, their heart to what they want to do? What would you, what advice would you give? It's hard. It's definitely tricky. Um, I was lucky that COVID handed me like a quiet time to be able to make that change. I've definitely made other changes in life, like deciding to turn to photography was a big change in what I was already doing. Um, But I think we as photographers, we can shoot stuff without underselling what we do and without undercutting the industry. There's a level of being able to turn up and shoot things off our own back and portfolio build in a space that we should do if we need to change direction or we really want to like Mm -hmm. put yourself out there write to the kind of brands you want to be shooting for if you want to if it's you know if you want to turn to fashion start making your own shoots happen style your own stuff come up with locations find concepts that you want to make and do it yourself that's Mm -hmm. how i started shooting fashion stuff i would make a mood board and find a model and ask people to collaborate with me and then get in a car and drive to the sea and make a cool shoot happen. Same with turning towards motorsport, spent that whole summer driving around the UK, going to random events, just rocking up and shooting. Like we didn't make money from it, but I don't think you can just expect people to hire you. If you have no background in something, you have to hustle and you have to Mm -hmm. show up and show that you're willing to do it, which is why I think the opportunities are coming to me now is because we spent so long actually like putting ourselves out there and doing it. Yeah. And passion fueled you. Exactly. Like you were, you were driven by passion because you genuinely loved it. And mm. that, I think that probably, am I right in assuming that that thing that was missing when you were doing weddings no longer was missing because you were doing the things that you love with motorsport. Absolutely. And yeah. You were happy to share those things, right? Yeah. I'm like most content 
not when I think I've achieved something, but when I'm actually working towards it. So, like, weddings mm. definitely felt like... There was definitely room to improve, room to, like, work at higher rates, just aim for, like, those big elopements with big budgets and stuff like that. But I kind of felt like my work couldn't really get better. Like, yeah. oh, I'm sure there's room for improvement. Like, not saying I'm the best, but there was never... It was kind of just stagnant. Whereas going into motorsport was like this massive feeling of like learning an entirely new skill. It's so different to shoot. And I definitely brought skills that I had previously into it, but it was a whole new world. And I, lo- I love that, yeah. that moving forward feeling. Even if I'm at the bottom, mm-hmm. that's more satisfying than being Amen. mediocre at the top of something. Yeah. Like I like the hustle. I like mm-hmm. feeling like we're making progress even if it's growing exactly so that was I think that was what was a big part of what was missing with weddings is I just felt kind of like stagnant yeah just bored yeah um so that's been that is fulfilling to feel like we're going somewhere and then to look back on the last two years and be like oh we did this ridiculous thing and it's working and it still feels like we're at the start of it it's a massive thing that we're trying to achieve but we're we are moving forward which is really cool yeah um so yeah so I guess with like giving it back to you know telling people just follow your I guess it is the I'm just trying to think when it comes to giving advice to other photographers I guess you just have to take that leap don't you you have to my biggest fear is that we we're gonna we're gonna run out of time like there is not enough time to everything you want to do I can't live knowing that I could do other stuff. Like, if there's something I think I might want to do, I'm going to go and try it. I wish I could, like, there are... Everyone lives their life differently, and I'm so stoked for people that are doing life in whatever way makes them happy. But I've definitely met people that are like, I really wish I was doing that thing. I really wish I'd tried that when I was younger. And it's those people that have this thing they want to do, but a feeling that they can't, or a thing that's stopping them, that isn't a real barrier, but they feel like it's there. It's those people that I want to be like, life's short. I was really fucking sure. Mm -hmm. Just try. Just do the thing that you think you want to do. It might not even work out, Mm -hmm. but go and try because you don't know where it's going to take you. This is exactly like I call them rocking chair regrets. Mm. My biggest fear is having a rocking chair regret. And I mean, like being that old woman sitting on my front porch and thinking like rocking away, thinking, oh, my God, all the regrets I have that I didn't do. I would rather try something and fail. Yeah. And and know that I did it because that to me is success. That 100%. to me is is living. That to me is learning. And I think that, um, yeah, I just think you do that so brilliantly. And I love watching how you've pivoted and na- pivoted and navigated. And you know, you're just kind of like we say, we're winging it. But you, you know, you're following your heart. You're following your desire. And it's and it's honestly, it's it's infectious. Oh, yeah, that's cool. so it's cool. It's cool. I guess we've kind of talked about this before too about being what was the like the catalyst behind Park for May. It, it, it came from a quiet period of 2020. Um, but what was the real, like, you know, the catalyst? Was it because, you know, well, I, I'll just ask you, what was it? Sure. So we are motorsport fans, like mostly interested in F1 at the time, quite casual fans, but knew we like aspired to be in that world and we were interested in it. We just had no way in and knew nobody in it. We didn't, had never been to a race. There was no like actual reason for us to go for this thing mm-hmm. um but when it was quiet in covid my sister and i alice were like watching a ton of old content and just bored out of our minds to be honest but we were like absorbing all this f1 content and then looking at our own life and what we were up to and also with that thing in our mind of like i wish we could do something in that world we were comparing it to what our skills were and what we'd done and 
kind of just going, oh, we could do this, or this is missing, or all of the merchandise kind of sucks. We could design better <laughs> merch than those people. I was looking at it and going like, oh, God, I wish I could shoot that and mm-hmm. do it in my way. Um, so we were basically, the catalyst was that we saw an opportunity to do something different in that world. We had no idea what we were starting and if it was like, a thing that could make money or a thing that we could offer as a service, whether it was just going to be a journal or a blog and that was going to be our way in to maybe like get a job for a team or whether we were going to keep this as something where we work for ourselves and we get brought in on projects. We had no idea what we were starting, but it was just this like looking at the motorsport industry, realizing that there was like a lack of lifestyle content around it and that there was this like new fan base of younger, uh, there's like well more women for sure but just people that have like a more like a broader interest in life than just racing mm-hmm. like the fans these days want more from their race weekend than just seeing cars on track yeah i am obsessed with racing i love what happens on track i'm fascinated by it but around that i think there's an opportunity to cover so much more so we like started looking at from you know i'm i love travel so we're like oh well f1 travels to all these places Take let's <laughs> try to cover that yeah like all of the stuff that is interesting to us art design travel music they all interact with the sport in interesting ways mm-hmm. let's cover it let's be involved with it let's just somehow get into that and that be our little niche that we tap into so yeah we just saw a gap and ran with it i guess amazing and i mean it's no secret the world of motorsport is predominantly a man's world i mean It is what it is. (laughs) Do you feel that there's been a shift today, especially with the machine that is Netflix kind of doing this documentary series? I think that, you know, they've really romanticized. I myself now follow it and watch it because you start to build this relationship with the drivers that, you know, wasn't really that wasn't there before, wasn't easy, accessibly to see. So I think, would you say that there's been a shift since, you know, you've been getting involved and with the shift of the Netflix documentary series, like the docuseries? Yeah, absolutely. I think Netflix did a really, really good job of showing the inner workings of F1 and that there were far more people involved and far more job roles that existed than people were previously like aware of. Um, there are a ton of amazing women already in F1, but since that and over the past few years, there have been initiatives. There's been like the We Race as One initiative and there's just been more of a push for teams to show who they have on their team that are female or people of colour. So there's like... There's definitely more diversity and there's more push for it. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the fan base of the sport, the, the it's far more accepted to be an F1 fan and to be a woman and talk about it. Mm-hmm. I think for years there have been, you know, I didn't go out of my way to talk about it because I didn't have anyone to talk about it to. Mm-hmm. And now you walk into a dinner with, at like your birthday dinner with 10 other women yeah. and half of them are talking about F1. Yeah. This is crazy. Like, (laughs) this wasn't happening a few years ago. No. So the fan base has massively shifted. And just the whole world is talking about F1 anyway. Um, But no, there's amazing stuff happening from within the fan community that's now, like, infiltrating the sport. Like, what we started with Park for Mayor's fans is now, like, getting its own projects within the racing world. Mm -hmm. Um, People are realizing the fan-made content is valuable. And that the sport or rather the fans are recognizing what the fans want more than I think the sport sometimes does. Or they're just, you know, offering something different than the sport offers. Yeah. They're covering it differently. They want to interview women in the sport to help more uh, like more women get into it. Mm-hmm. It's just on a really, really positive upswing right now. Yeah, and you even said too, was it, correct me if I'm wrong, was there a, a girl that was like big on TikTok and is now hired by 
Yeah. One of the so t- a friend yeah. of mine, a friend of mine, Tony, who started this amazing TikTok channel where she just talks about F1. Mm. Super open, not uh, coming from a place of I know everything, from a place of uh, I want to learn this thing. Let's learn it together. So mm-hmm. someone will ask her, like, what are the tire pressures? And she'll be like, I don't know the answer to that. Let's find it out. And I love that. Go on TikTok and either find someone who knows or find it and then talk about it and give that answer back. Um, and that educational content was not being put out by the sport in any way. And if it was, it wasn't digestible or it was really boring. Mm-hmm. And now fans like her are definitely getting seen by teams. She's just done an amazing takeover in Miami with one of the teams. And I think loads more exciting stuff planned. But like that community she's built around it is insane. Like it gets as much traction as a race team's content over the weekend. Yeah. So yeah, it's fascinating how it's changed and how, I mean, we have quite interesting social media platforms now like TikTok, which just explodes content in a way that nobody expects. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, you're seeing it too and it's a surprise, isn't it? You're like, yeah, it's wild. It, yeah, it is crazy. <laughs> and I think what's really cool too, I remember seeing, and um, the, is it the Monza podium of the McLaren, of McLaren's Daniel Ricardo? I saw that picture and I'm like, I know that eye. I know that art. I know that work. And that was, and I, I did some digging and it was bloody yours. Yeah. That, that was, went viral. That Lydia. was cool. I know. That was a good picture. That was, that I love those pictures because I had like a really rough weekend and mm. I don't normally get to shoot the podium. Monza's quite a unique layout in that the podium is further away from the, the building that it's normally like attached to. So it stands away from the building I was stood in. And I was stood next to a photographer called Mario, whose work I'm obsessed with. And yeah, normally we don't see that happen. We're like stood in line with it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we got kicked out of this little area where we were shooting from. Or this woman from Heineken, (laughs) I think, was trying to kick us out. And Mario, bless him, was like, no, Lydia's here. She's a photographer as well and she's staying with me. So he like let me stand next to him and shoot those pictures and... They were the best. Like it was a rough weekend that ended on like the biggest high, getting to shoot McLaren, win, double podium. Um, yeah, it was awesome. And that photo went viral. Yeah, that was cool. I think it was the most liked paddock club picture of all time. I really hope it still is. I haven't checked, but yeah, that was really special. Proper like there's something like about those moments because the drivers Mm -hmm. it was an unexpected win and it was a double one two podium for them so that was awesome but the like the stuff that I'm super fascinated about I don't know if these pictures have gone anywhere is that right below him while he's celebrating that is this massive team of people and like I absolutely love Mm -hmm. how much that that win and that sport the wins the losses mean just as much to all that team below so I also shot a ton of those people as well but yeah, it's fascinating. See, that is amazing. And I think that you put you bring the human side of um, everything when you, in your work. And I think as you will grow and continue to grow and your audience will be wider, I just think that that is what people want to see, the hum- like the, the um, transparency, mm. the authenticity. People are craving that now more than ever. And I think that your eye and what you capture is um, it's refreshing. And it's what people want more of. And uh, yeah, never change and keep doing that because it's, it, will go, it won't go unnoticed, that's for sure. Um, just because I was on the topic of, you know, Daniel Ricardo, <laughs> do you have a favorite? <laughs> Can you pick favorites? Uh, I, yeah, but my favorite's controversial. Everyone, oh. everyone frowns when I say that I'm a, I'm a massive Red Bull fan. Mm-hmm. So when Checo moved to Red Bull, I was stoked because I was already a Max fan and I was already a Checo fan. And yeah. now they're on the same team. Um, yeah, I'm a Max Verstappen fan and a Sergio Perez fan. Yeah. And I, but that said, 
And one of the like fascinating things about the sport is there's like no one on the grid that I wouldn't want to win. Yeah. I'm stoked whoever wins. Yeah. I think that's what's fascinating is anyone can win and those races where something unexpected happens and there's a there's rain or something's gone up like wrong with the tire strategy and an unexpected winner comes to the front. I love that. Perez won this weekend, didn't he? Last weekend that yeah, just happened. Yeah, I was super happy. Yeah, <laughs> and you were there. I was stoked. <laughs> um, so I guess we've kind of, we've, we've talked about it a little bit in terms of, you know, why, uh, you know, seeing more women in the world of motorsport. So why is your job important to you? I think it's important. Well, there's a ton of reasons. I'm, at the moment, it means the most to me because the stuff, especially the stuff we're doing with Park for May, it's not just me. And I got to turn up to Monaco with my sister and with Mariana and they got to experience their first Grand Prix. They got to go and shoot an event. They got to make content there and experience it. And now they have opened up their opportunities to come in and do more in this space as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been super welcomed by everyone since I got into this world, especially by the women. There are women who are like pushing for each other to get to the top. Mm-hmm. Um, so that feels important. And I want to be able to do that for others. And it, it's hard to do that when you're still at the bottom or you're still on your way in. Like it's hard to pull people up when it feels like there's not enough space for us. Yeah. But I do think that is changing. I think that what we're doing already, like just by being there, that's powerful. Um, but it's important in other ways, I guess like I'm, I do think I have a unique eye as much as I sometimes think I'm the worst photographer in the world. I do go into these things or when I come away from them, I'm like, Oh no, I nailed that. And it's different to that person's thing. And I think it's important to have that variety of people shooting mm-hmm. for ages. This thing looked the same. It was being shot by mostly agency photographers shooting for like rapid turnaround to get yeah. it in papers and magazines and on news feeds. And I think there's something important in coming in and trying to do it differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, from another point of view, my work or my job is important to me because I just want to be able to work for myself. Like I want, it's the most, <laughs> my job is the only thing mm-hmm. that my life really like revolves around. Mm-hmm. It is everything. I wake up thinking about work. It's probably not healthy, but the like satisfaction in life comes from me succeeding. That's my like, that's everything at the yeah. moment at least. I think when you're creative... And I find this too, creatives especially, you are your work. Yeah, 100%. And it, and it doesn't ever shut off. And I mean, I'm going away soon and all I'm thinking about is the things I can create. Like people have said, you're not going to bring your laptop or your computer <laughs> when you go. And I'm like, of course I am. I can't not, I can't shut off. And I think that's actually the beautiful thing is when you find something that you love and you find something that you are excited to wake up for every single fucking day, that is what life is for. Like... And I feel very lucky that we have found that and that we're living that. Mm. And, um, yeah, I just think it's uh, a lot of people are searching for that, you know. And um, it's amazing that, you know, you've taken your craft and you're also leading the way and you're a part of a movement where women are going to be hopefully seen a lot more doing this in in a man's world, you know. So yeah, never stop. But I, I want to, you talked about, you know, sometimes you, you think you're, you know, you've got a good eye, but you think you're the most shit, <laughs> the shittest photographer, which you're not. But I think that's um, a very natural thing to have. So I guess I want to ask you kind of three questions. Are you hard on yourself? Do you suffer from imposter syndrome? And if you do, <laughs> how do you overcome that? I'm, I think I might be a contender for the most hard on myself person going. I don't, I don't 
give myself a break and I will beat myself up until I'm satisfied with something. Um, I, yeah, I'm really tough on myself. I, this past few years, I think what we've tried to achieve is really hard. Like to come into something where you don't know anybody and nobody's giving you a hand up. It's only recently that I've made like the connections that will be the type of people to say your name Mm -hmm. in a room. Like getting here was really important. And like I said earlier, like I really... I like hyper focus on stuff. Like I, if I'm, if I want to do something, I'll do it and I'll give it everything. So if I don't feel like that's happening, it's not good enough. Mm-hmm. Like it is not enough to just be like, like getting by. Right. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely tough, but I know it works. <laughs> I don't think it's healthy, but it, it works. And yeah. you kind of have to be, this is not like an easy world to walk into. It is an extreme it's a, you know, it's an elite sport that yeah. is hard to break into. So it's competitive for sure. Yeah. It's competitive as a sport. And then jobs in that world are like not easy to come by and it's changing very quickly. Like the demands of a creative in that world change all the time. But Lydia, um, how long did it take you from the day that you started, decided <laughs> that you were going into motocross to be work or not motocross, motorsport correction, um, to then be working with Formula One? Yeah, I guess not that long. Yeah. I think okay. like six So let's months. just appreciate that because that people work their whole lives wanting to mm. get to work there. And you were just like, I'm going to take it on my own back. I'm going to start <laughs> doing it myself. And then you found yourself, you know, traveling the world with Formula One. I mean, that's, fu- that's amazing. I know, but it still doesn't feel good enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I guess, so you do def- so you, you suffer with imposter syndrome too then? Yeah, definitely have imposter syndrome in that like, I'll be in rooms with people, in conversations with people, I'm like, how the fuck am I here? Like, how, why are these people even looking at my work? Or why am I being invited into this room? Like, for sure have that. Um, but then I have like the full opposite of that, which is like mad delusions of grandeur where even though I say I'm hard on myself, like I'm hard on myself cause I know I can do stuff. But the other bit of me that's like the delusions of grandeur side is like, you can do the fucking everything. Like yeah. you can be the best in this world. If you really try, you can do something completely. It was insane for a girl with no background in motorsport to be like, we're just going to like do this thing in F1 and just like see if it works and try and change the game. Yeah. Like we're, you know, we're at the start of it still, but it was, you know, we had no reason to believe that we actually could. We just decided we wanted to. But where does that come from? Like that. So some people get these imposter syndromes and then Mm. can't overcome that. They can't override that crippling feeling. And then you have this other side where it's, I'm like, I, I think I have that too, this delusion of like, of course I can fucking do it. Yeah. If I can dream it, I can do it and I will do it. And like, I, I believe in myself and I'm very motivated to do that. And people ask me where that comes from and I'm still trying to figure out where that comes from. But where do you think yours comes from? Like you have this like, of course I deserve to be here. Yes, I can do this. Of course I can create great stuff. Where is that? Like, how do you overcome that? From the inside, I don't yeah. know where it comes from. Have you always had it? Always had it. Yeah. Or I don't think I had it those four years when I was at university hating life. I think I was like, what the hell is my life? Why am I here? And then when I realized South Africa really opened my eyes to like, oh, you can kind of do anything. Like any job exists. I didn't know you could work in the creative world. I just went straight from school into this. I come from a rural community, straight into this rural college university. Very like limited cultural experiences in life. Mm -hmm. Didn't grow up with creative family very like hardworking manual labor people around me. So I didn't really know what was around, what existed outside of that. Yeah. Um, and then when I realized a ton of stuff did, I was like, oh, actually you can kind of do anything. <laughs> yeah. um, 
But yeah, I think, I don't know where it really comes from. Yeah. Just this like mad belief that things can happen. And if you really, really commit to it, you will you will either get what you want or you'll get something else that's cool. Yeah. Um, and I guess you've had, yeah. you've had wins, right? Like yeah, for you've sure. You've taken the leap and you've had these wins. And I think when you follow your intuition, mm. this is what I'm finding. When I follow my intuition and I just go with what feels right, the, like, I don't really have to worry about the end result because I know, I believe with everything that I am, that'll always work out. And like you said, if it, if it doesn't get to where you thought it would go, but it's taking a detour and you land somewhere else, mm. cool. Yeah. Winning. I think a big thing as well is just forgetting. Like, I remember years ago I would worry, even when I started Park For Me, like I remember starting this Instagram account and having a friend of a friend send, a friend send me a DM from one of her friends being like, why has Lydia started this thing? Isn't that a bit random? And it, killed me yeah like I was like embarrassed that I'd started this Instagram oh. account like to the point where I was like should we carry on with this thing this is so embarrassing like people are gonna like judge me for doing this thing that I have no no like outward like I've never put out that I'm interested in this so yeah. why people are obviously gonna laugh um and it killed me and it's that like oh well that's really embarrassing that that happened but then the motivation that gives me to like prove everyone wrong. Oh yeah, light that like, fire, please. <laughs> is the best thing ever to yeah. be like, oh right, okay, now I've actually got to do this and make it really, really good because everyone thinks it's a joke. Um, so that's a big yeah. like. Not it doesn't necessarily mean I believe I can do these things, but it's no. the motivation to like make those things happen is proving people wrong. Yeah, and you know what? You just said something really interesting there. You said everyone thinks it's a joke. No, one person yeah. thought it was a joke. <laughs> One your, your brain doesn't tell I know. you that. No, and you can hear a thousand good things from people, but you will only hold on to the one negative. And mm. I'm the exact same. Um, and in a way, I'm like, why would you show me that? But then at the same time, it's like, thank you, because you've just lit in that, that, that fire is roaring under my yeah. ass. So watch <laughs> out, you know? So, um, yeah, it's, uh, but I hope you know that that person probably is just, uh, they see something in you they don't see in themselves. Mm. That's, that's what it is. Moving on. <laughs> Um, I really like this question when I asked um, Allison on my last uh, my last episode um, from Balanced Her, and I said to her, "Where do you feel most authentically yourself?" So I'm going to ask you the same question, Lydia. Where do you feel most authentically yourself? Probably two places. One is when I'm working and I have like not necessarily creative control, but like a large proportion of creative input on what we're making and what we're doing. And that's and it's working and it's going well. Mm-hmm. That's like heaven, you know. When something is just clicking and you're nailing it and you know it's going right and you know you're getting the shots you need and you're thinking of new stuff in the moment, that feels so freaking good. Mm. Um, in your flow, yeah, in the flow. That's amazing. And then the other thing, which I don't make enough time for, is just when I actually switch off. And if I can switch off, I will drive and go on a road trip. Just being in a car not worrying about work, mm. not worrying about people I have to answer to. That's like the best version of me. Yeah. Do you have like a favorite soundtrack? Oh, I don't know. I have terrible music taste. Do you? <laughs> Is it like random or? It's super random. <laughs> okay. Super random. I listen to the same like 20 songs. Just oh yeah, over, over and over again. and over again because yeah. they feel good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. I get, no, no, I'm the exact <laughs> same way. I mean, honestly, if you looked at my playlist, it's, uh, we won't go there. Like, mm. you know, when you get the highlight thing at the end of your Spotify. Oh, it's so beer. embarrassing. Oh, yeah. Mine's awful. I won't, I can't even actually <laughs> say the word that mine, I'll tell you when this is cut, okay, what good. mine was, because it was, it was bad. <laughs> um, 
one last question I want to ask you is, um, because I, I do see you doing, going very far. I mean, you've already achieved so freaking much in the short time that you've, you know, followed your heart and, and done with what, what you wanted to do with photography, but then now with motorsport, motorsport and with Parc Femme. And I, I do believe that, I mean, you've got something very exciting, which I'm not going to say, but I think this podcast is going to be launching or airing, sorry, uh, about a week before potentially Lydia is going to be doing something very, very cool. So if you're not following, first of all, if you're not following Lydia, you need to give her uh, a follow on her personal account, which is, can you tell me? Lids, spelt with an I, L-I-D-S mm-hmm. underscore Harper. Okay. Uh, on Instagram. But then also give her um, Park Fame, which is... P-A-R-C-F-E-R-M-E dot co. There we go. Give that a follow because she's going to be doing a very, very cool... She, like, is giving me the, the eyes. Don't say it. <laughs> um, project in the next couple of weeks. So uh, give her a follow because it's going to be really exciting to be on her journey, especially with everything that you know now. Um, but I want to know, what is the future for Lydia Harper and Park for May? Do you know or... I have no idea. No, know. we, <laughs> we uh, in the past month or so, we started launching merch, which was really exciting. Because mm-hmm. that was one of the, the things when we started this was like looking at everyone merch and being like, we would never wear that stuff. And then to finally now have launched a t-shirt in Monaco that's done super well, like overwhelmingly well for what we expected. Mm-hmm. That's super cool. So I'm going to keep making stuff and putting out what we're doing with Park for May. Um, for me personally, I think I'm at the next three or four races, which is super exciting, all in different capacities, um, which is great. With PF, I think, sorry, I'm talking in circles. Uh, no, you're not. <laughs> yeah, we have some cool stuff, like cool things there's a lot that I think we can do. And yeah. I think what's really cool is there's no, like, there's not, when people ask me what it is, it's really hard to define because my goal was that anyone who we felt was right for the team could come in and put their stamp on this world, uh, on it. Sorry, yeah. that's such a bad way of speaking. No, no. Um, yeah, the goal was that you could have your skill set make sense in this thing, whether yeah. you're a stylist or a photographer or a video editor or, like, Alice, you want to make merch, like, if the right person came along, they had a space in this. Yeah. So it kind of could be anything. Um, I'm super interested in like offering like strategy services to companies that are not really nailing what F1 fans want or motorsport fans want. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, outside of that, we're pretty open to like not limiting ourselves to F1. We had like the best time in LA exploring IndyCar and NASCAR and what else did I look at? Supercross out there was amazing. Really would love to shoot that, but mm-hmm. We're kind of just seeing what comes our way and, uh, yeah, taking it as it comes. That's the exciting part is, Mm. like, there is, I think there is also, it's important to point out, too, like, there's no end finish line. There's no end goal. Yeah, there's no end end goal. goal. And I think people can put a lot of pressure on themselves to think that they're, you know, an end goal. When I achieve this, I'll be happy. When I achieve that, I'll be happy. And I think the fact that you're so fluid in the sense that you're, like, yeah, I'm open to whatever. Like, that might come along and this might come along. Like, when I spoke to you, by the way, when you came back from L.A., you said, oh, I'm not going to be doing much this summer. Um, <laughs> yeah, I thought I was having a quiet one. What, what, what's, what, what are you doing for the rest <laughs> of the summer? Where are you off to? Uh, well, next week, Azerbaijan and then Montreal and then Silverstone and Festival of Speed. So already getting busy. Good. Oh, and Monza, I think, oh, as well. Oh, and, and. So it's getting busy. Yeah. I wasn't expecting that, though. I genuinely thought I was coming home to no work and a lot of free time. So 
It's changed really, really fast. Buckle up, buttercup. Yeah. <laughs> well, Lydia, it's been an absolute pleasure having you um, um, on my little episode, my little humble space. Um, you're truly an inspiring, inspiring woman, and I think you're inspiring a whole generation of young girls, and you know, not even young girls, just women my age and older, um, to a follow their dreams, follow their heart, do whatever the fuck makes you happy. There's no other way to put that. It has mm-hmm. to be blunt. Um, but also just, I just think that what you're, how do I articulate this in a way that, I just think that you're doing su- such a cool thing and it's all happening so fast. And it's such an example to show people that, you know, if you just follow your your gut and you stay true to yourself and you're authentic, the rest falls into place. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I just want to. I just want to thank you for taking the time. I know you're exhausted. I know you're like running on literal fumes. <laughs> and um, yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Flourish with Trish is an original podcast hosted by me, Trish. It's produced by my father, Richard Johnson, from his home studio in Ontario, Canada. The music was also composed and produced by my incredibly talented dad who, like my mom, has always encouraged me to follow my dreams. Thanks, mom and dad. <laughs>